will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Then they said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. We'll just pray. Father, we just come now before you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, in this stillness, I pray that you would speak. That we would see more of who you are. And Father, as we take time to look at, and in this season of Advent, the weight of the one who was coming. Father, we know that you made a way. And we know that Jesus is the answer to this world. And Father, as we take some time to pray for the world around us, Father, I pray that we would know and fully trust that you are the answer. So Father, I pray for the people who are suffering across this world. Father, on a scale and magnitude that we cannot even fathom. And Father, I pray that you would be an ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus, that your name would be lifted across this land. And Father, we pray for agencies who are seeking to meet need. Father, we pray for the work of the well here. We pray, Lord, that you would equip it, that you would stir us to support it. And Father, for the people who come in contact with our church through that work, Father, and through all of the ministries, that I pray that we would be ever ready to share you. Because, Father, our greatest need is to be right with you. So, Father, I pray as we come to just to look in your at your word, Father, that you... Yeah, that you would do what you need to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us, reveal what you need us to see. And Father, I pray for John as he does that. I pray for the kids' leaders 
And Father, I pray today that, yeah, that we would be so ready to hear from the living God. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Emily, for that. This morning we are in John chapter 8 as we begin our Advent series. And I don't know about you, about what your favorite time of holiday is. Some people, everyone's different. Some people like the summer holidays. Some people like the Christmas holidays more than others. But, but people really do seem to get into the Christmas spirit and into the Christmas holidays. I think the earliest I saw a house decorated this year was like probably mid-November. Uh, people do seem to enjoy the, the Christmas holidays. It's a very contentious question as to which one you like the best. But the context we find ourselves in here this morning in John chapter 8 is a holiday season. It's a holiday season. The holiday that the, 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 the Israelites were, were celebrating was the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Uh, that's what's going on here when Jesus speaks. This was a celebration week, a holiday week. A time to stop and remember all that God had done for the people of Israel when they were in the desert, when they had no homes to live in, when they had no uh, place to call their own. They, they stopped for this period of time and they celebrated and they remembered what God had done for them as they journeyed through the wilderness. It was a beloved celebration. Ancient Jewish records say, if you have not seen Jerusalem at the Feast of Booths, you have not witnessed joy. If you have not seen Jerusalem at the Feast of Booths, you have not witnessed joy. It was a massive celebration of remembering. It was a packed house in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, we're told, would quadruple in size over this period of time. It was the largest festival, the largest uh, celebration that Jerusalem would see. And what they were remembering was what it was like in the wilderness when they did not have a home and they were following God. God would lead them by His cloud by day and by His fire in the night. And so they were remembering how God shined light into their darkness to guide them. It was a hugely joyous occasion. And there was this tradition that grew up around in, in Jewish culture that during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, I, I think I've told you this before, but there were four huge candles that were brought into the city. I was said these candles were 75 feet high. I'm not good when it comes to like estimating what height that would be. All I know is that that sounds quite tall. 75 feet candle. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. But Four of these candles were brought into the city, and they were lit. And it's said that the light was so bright that it lit up every corner of Jerusalem. It lit up the whole city. And here we have thousands and thousands of people rejoicing and remembering what God had done in this holiday season. One historian said, there wasn't a courtyard in Jerusalem that wasn't lit by one of these candles. So that's the context that Jesus speaks into 
when he says he is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. Something, very else, something else that's very interesting here about where Jesus places himself to have these dialogues where he's speaking here, where he's, have, he's, he's speaking to the crowds, he's speaking to the leaders. Something that's interesting about where he places himself is that he places himself in the court, in the temple, in the court of women. That's where he is. That's where he's speaking from, in the court of women. And in the court of women was also placed the treasury. So people would come to give their gifts, to give their offerings in the court of women. And this was the busiest place in the temple. Jesus does this intentionally. Not to exclude anyone from hearing his message. He goes to the court of women where people would come to give their offerings. And he speaks. Now, I don't want to develop that thought very much further this morning, but I do think that in this, Jesus gives us an example about evangelism. He sets us an example about evangelism. Jesus places himself where he will speak to the most people and have the greatest impact. It's intentional. As I say, I don't want to develop that thought much further this morning, but I do think it's an example for us when we think about evangelism as a church and as individuals. Where can we place ourselves to have the maximum impact and to share the gospel to the most people? How can we position ourselves as a church to have maximum impact? That's what Jesus is doing here. And it's into that context that he says, I am the light of the world. Do you see why context is so important? Thinking about the context of where Jesus is and what he's doing and why he's doing it and what was going on at the time. If you just plucked that verse out, I am the light of the world, and you didn't know that what the Jews were celebrating was the Feast of Booths and these candles were all around the city, showing light, giving light, Jesus speaks directly into the context that he is, and therefore we can see the significance of what he says. And he says, I am the light of the world. For John, this word light is, is a word which he seems to love. If you read the Gospel of John, you'll see words like fullness and life and light over and over again. John loved to use these words on repeat. John chapter 1, when he's speaking of John the Baptist, this is what he said, John 1, uh, 6 to 10. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Not only in the Gospel of John, but throughout Scripture, we see this imagery, this, this word light used to describe God. You see it all over the Bible in the Psalms. God's Word is frequently said to give light, to give illumination, to give wisdom, to help us when we don't know where to go in our darkness. Psalm 119, you'll know it well. 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 36, in your light, we see light. And then actually when we come to the Christmas story and, and, and where we see it said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's a direct quote from what I read at the beginning, Isaiah 9. And right before that in Isaiah 9, God says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And then for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Light, this imagery of light is associated with God in so many ways throughout Scripture. We're told in Scripture a few different things to, to describe God. God is love in, in 1 John. God is spirit in John 4. God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12, 29. But John tells us in 1 John 1, 5 that God is light. God is light and in Him there is no darkness. It is His very nature. He is light. He's light. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, God dwells in unapproachable light. James 1.17 gives him the title that he is the father of lights. You bump into this imagery all over Scripture. All over the place. And so I think it's important we figure out exactly what Jesus is claiming here. What he's claiming here when he says, I am the light of the world, what he is claiming is that he is God. He's God. When he says this in this context of what's happening all around him, he is claiming deity. He's saying, I am God, revealed, incarnate. I am here. Christ, the light, has come incarnate to be with us in our darkness. I want you to think this morning, before we go any further, of that festival, the festival of, of booze, the festival of tabernacles. What it would mean to the Jewish heart. The crops are in. You've done your work. It is time to celebrate with your family, with the people that you love. You, you've done everything you need to do. You're resting together. And then there is this huge light which is showing us God. You're singing into the night. Your heart is celebrating about what God has done, about meeting us in our darkness. That's what you're celebrating. And then Jesus says these words in verse 12, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus is claiming that he has come into the darkness of the world to be with us. Our Emmanuel. This reminds us of the glory of the incarnation in itself. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Not the light of a select group of people in Northern Ireland. Not to a select group of people in Africa or the United States or to the young or to the old or to the wealthy or to the poor. 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Everyone. I am the light for everyone. Folks, that's important that we hear that this morning. That's important for our hearts to hear. Because you know as well as I do, we live in a dark place. We live in a world that is dark. And the darkness around us can seem to be overwhelming. We long for light to break through the darkness. We long for light to pierce into the darkness that is in our lives. We dream of a day when all the darkness will be gone. And so maybe just for you this morning, you need to hear, no matter how deep the darkness is that you're feeling, Jesus, the incarnate God, has come to be with you, and he is your light. He is your light. For some, you can barely see the light, but it's there. And you're not alone. You're not alone. Think about the Israelites and what they're celebrating walking through the wilderness, not knowing where their next meal would come from, not knowing where they were going, feeling alone, feeling abandoned, and yet God was with them. And God's with you. You're not alone. And what that means is that you're not alone in your struggle with the illness that no one knows about. You're not alone in the struggle where your family seems to be barely hanging on by a thread. You're not alone when you're worried about what next year will bring. You're not alone when you're, when you're concerned about uh, if you, you'll survive another year. You're not alone. You're not abandoned to the darkness. It means that even this week, I don't know, but maybe this week you've got a doctor's appointment coming up and you're scared and you don't know what's going to happen. You're not alone. God shows us in the incarnation that He is with us. He is our light. That's the hope of the new heavens and the new earth. That He will be with us and He will dwell with His people forever. Jesus says here in chapter 8, when He says He is the light of the world, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, there is no doubt that the news that Jesus has come to be with us in our darkness is good news. But it wouldn't be good news, it wouldn't be good news if Jesus only meets us in our darkness. The second thing that Jesus promises here Whilst one, he says he will meet us in our darkness and he'll be with us in our darkness. The second thing that he promises here is that Christ pierces through our darkness, our natural darkness. The deep darkness that we find in our own hearts to deliver us out of that darkness. 
We know the dark. We, we know the darkness is all around us. We know this world that we live in is a dark place. All you need to do, go home, turn on your news. You will see the world around us is a dark place. We get that. But I wonder, do we realize just how dark our own hearts actually are? I wonder, do we realize how, how dark our own hearts actually are? As I said, there's evidence all around us of the darkness. We've, un, we've unpacked that. We know that. But are you, are you aware of the darkness? Am I aware of the darkness in my own soul, our natural condition? The, the Bible tells us, Scripture clearly tells us, that you and my natural desire, you and I, our natural want is to what? Walk in darkness. We love the darkness, John chapter 1 tells us. But John chapter 1 says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. John chapter 6 says, we love to spend money on, on that which is not bread. John, but, but he says, I am the bread of life. We love going astray. But Jesus says in John chapter 10, that I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. You see, our natural condition is to walk in darkness. Our natural condition is to stray. Our natural condition is to love the darkness. That's who we are. That's our natural state. But Jesus is the one who delivers us from our natural state. Look at what he says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, and if you, if you read a verse like that, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. If you're being completely honest with yourself, you know, as well as I know in my heart, that that is not true all of the time. I don't know. Maybe you do walk in light all of the time. I know a fair few of you. I could even tell you that you don't. We just don't. There is this contradiction that remains. Do you know, if we're following Jesus, we know that we've been delivered, we've been saved, we've been set free. But yet there is this old self that Paul talks about. There is this old man that, that keeps cropping up every now and again, that keeps showing us the darkness of our heart. We know we've been delivered from the darkness, but there's this thing that keeps coming up that shows us just how dark we actually are. There are dark corners, dark recesses, dark places in my heart. The natural inclination is still there to love the darkness. I struggle with the light because I love the darkness. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? 
want you to look at the promise in the second part of verse 12. This is a beautiful promise that Jesus provides. Whoever follows me will not walk in, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, and this is where we've got to do some self-examination. In other words, there is a kind of change, a kind of transformation, a kind of newness that Jesus is promising, that Jesus as the light of the world will bring to you. And he says, you're not destined to walk in this darkness. You are destined now that I have redeemed you to walk in light. And I want you to ask, and I want, I'm asking myself, is there a desire to walk in the light? Is there a desire that since you've, you've come to Jesus to, to do the right thing? Is there a desire to follow his ways? Is there a desire to follow his word? Is there a desire to be obedient? If there is no desire to be those things, I doubt, I doubt that you've ever been saved. We all struggle. I'm not saying that. You know this. Like, would you believe if I were to tell you hypothetically, that possibly your pastor received a yellow card the other night from a referee at an under-15 girls football game. I know you're laughing, but it's deadly serious to me. And it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Talk to me afterwards if you want to know what I said. But... Uh, I'm joking. There's far worse things in me than that. We all struggle, and I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't know what darkness you find yourself in. I don't know what you're, what, what you're addicted to. I have no doubt in this room there are people who are addicted to stuff that they should not be addicted to. There are affections that are dark. There are patterns of sin that are ongoing. Behaviors that are dark. And maybe you feel this morning that they'll never go away. There's no way out. I want to encourage you this morning that that's not true. That is not true. Here's the promise. If you belong to Jesus, he has called you out of the darkness. You are not destined to walk in darkness. The darkness will not win. If you belong to Jesus, nothing can take away the light of Christ. Nothing can take it away. Every sin can be defeated. In his name. Please do not feel that you are in this darkness and you cannot overcome it. You can. Through him. Through him you can. Please be encouraged this morning. He cannot, the evil one cannot extinguish the light that is in you.
Lastly, and very briefly, I want to say this. You are not the light. You are not the light. Jesus says to his his followers in Matthew 5, actually, he says in John chapter 12, you're the sons and daughters of light. Paul says in Ephesians 5, you are light in the Lord. Apostle John says in John 1, you are not the light, you are not the light, but you bear witness about the light. And so there's darkness all around us. There's darkness within us. We know this. But we are the ones who are to point to the light. The church, those who have been redeemed by Christ, are to point towards the light. Yes, we are to reflect His light in different ways at different times, absolutely. But we're to point away from ourselves and say, I am not the light. Just as John the Baptist says, I am not the light, but I'm pointing to the one who is. I am not the light, but I bear witness about the light. I am broken, but here's how the God is shining a bright light in my life. I'm a mess but here's how God is shining His light on me and through me. We are to be the ones who show people the light. You see, the reality is there's not a thing in your eye that God needs. There's not a thing in you or I that God needs. I don't know what kind of snowflake you think you are, but there's not a thing, not a thing in you that God needs. And yet, and yet it is His perfect plan to use us, messed up, broken people, with all our issues, with all our frailties, with all our failings, with all everything that's going on in our lives, to say, I'm messed up, I'm broken, but He's the light. I often think if we just did that more, that would be so much more helpful to a broken world than pretending we have it all put together. Yeah? Do you agree? No? Instead of pretending that we have all the answers, instead of pretending that we are this put-together group of people, which we're not, if we just say it, I'm messed up. I am broken. He's not. 
He's the answer. He's the light. He's the, the solution to every need that you have. And we pointed away from ourselves and pointed to Jesus. Christ is the light. Folks, this morning, Jesus has said he is the light of the world. The reality is, unless we come to the light, we will die in our sins. Unless we come to the light, we will die in our sins. Jesus says later on in this passage, I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever saw this before, but it was like one of those wee light bulb moments for me this week when I read this passage again. He says in, John, in verse 15, I judge no one. I judge no one. Now, a couple of reasons why that might be. Literally, just before this, the Pharisees brought the woman to him who had been caught in adultery, and he said to them, go ahead, lads, you without sin cast the first stone. None of them could do it. He says here, I judge no one. Second reason he does that is this. First time Jesus came, he came as a savior. Second time Jesus comes, he will come as judge. First time he came as a savior, second time he comes, and he is coming soon, he will come as a judge. Have you come to the light? Have you come to the light? Is there that desire within you to do what Jesus wants you to do? Is there that desire to obey? Is there that desire to serve? Is there that desire to follow his word? If that's not there, if that is not there, I doubt that you've come to the light. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning to come to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Turn to him in faith and find redemption. Know what it is to have your sins forgiven. Know what it is to be screwed up, messed up, broken, and yet loved. Perfectly known and yet perfectly loved. Come to Jesus, the light of the world this morning. Repent of your sin. Turn to him. He wants to give you that light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness. Let me pray. Father, we are thankful for this time of the year that in particular we get to remember the incarnation. What a, what a beautiful thing. God in flesh. 
taking on my sin. Taking on my punishment. Suffering in my place. So that I might know what it is to be free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that the person of the Holy Spirit would take this, these words, your words, and implant it deep in our hearts this morning. That we would walk as children of light and not as children of darkness. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.